Well, good evening, men. How are you tonight? You doing good? Well, it's good to see your faces. This is week four. I feel like this is about the first time I've been up here, and uh, so I'm glad to be here. We're going to get started. I'm going to pray. We're going to throw it straight to the tables, have a little table discussion, and uh, I'm looking forward to being with you tonight. So let me pray for us, and let's get started. Lord, we love you, and God, I thank you that you love us, and Lord, I thank you for the men that you brought into this room tonight. And Lord, I pray specifically as we talk about vocation and your calling on our lives, Lord, as we're continuing from last week, Lord, that we would continue to be open to where you would call us to be. And Lord, I pray we would listen to your voice and we would not turn to the left or the right unless we heard your voice say, this is the way, walk in it. Pray your blessings upon these men tonight. Pray this in your precious name, amen. Well, the icebreaker, the first table discussion last week was talk about yourself, but don't talk about your vocation. Don't talk about where you work, okay? So let's make sure we know that around the table this week. Let's do the exact opposite. Where do you work? What do you do there? And what is the craziest thing your job asks of you? So where do you work? What do you do there? And what is the craziest thing your job asks of you? Ready, set, go. All right. Did anybody hear... You're not through. All right, well, let's just see. Did anybody hear something crazy that someone has to do with their job? Anybody? Someone? Someone? Okay, we got one over here. Something crazy, and he's smiling big, so I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, Mike's coming at you right there from Josiah. All right, let's hear it. All right, so I'm, uh, I'm a welder, and I work at the Mortech Welding Company, and the uh, craziest thing I've been asked to do is sit on top of the platform, hang over it, and weld underneath the platform. How, how high up are you? Um, I was about eight feet up. Okay, okay. No thank you, no thank you. <laughs> All right, anybody else? We got one right here? Okay, we got one right here. Can you chunk it that far? I don't know. Oh, we're going, oh, okay, we got another one right here. Okay, oh. All right, we got one more right here. All right, I'm calling my man out here. So, Brett Morris, I got him into the sprinkler trade three years ago. Right now, they have him on a job hanging six-inch pipe, 21-foot-long six-inch pipe by himself on a boom lift, 86 feet in the air downtown. 86 feet in the air. (laughs) That's why you make the big bucks, right? All right, uh, I grew up working at a church camp, and I made uh, about $8 an hour. So, there's a chicken farm right down the road. Anybody ever worked? Chicken coops? Nobody? Well, my grandmother had chicken coops, so I had been in them when I was younger when they were little chicks. Well, these were big chicks, and they told me they'd pay me $100 a day just to come work five hours. Well, I thought, well, that's a lot better money than I'm making now. I'm 13, 14 years old. I went down there. I met with the guy. He walks me into the chicken coop, and he teaches me how to pick them up and hold them upside down, Tim, with their talons, you know, their claws between your hands like this. And he said, now listen, this has happened four or five times to me, but if you lift them above your head, I've been pooped not only on, I've been pooped in my mouth because you're also having to tell everybody else where to go and how many you chickens you have. I turned around, I walked out, and I continued making $8 an hour for the next five years, okay? I made $8 an hour for five more years, okay? Um, You know, last week, uh, it's funny, uh, Jason, I'll go ahead and call myself out. Uh, You got an email from me yesterday that said Noah did a great job teaching last week that uh, Jason did a good job. Everybody turn right around right there. Can we get a standing ovation? That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, good. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. Great job, Jason. 
Noah was good. You were phenomenal, okay? All right, excellent. Thank you so much. Hey, those two guys did a great job, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't here, so I went back and listened over the last couple days, and I told them, I kind of had an idea in my mind of where I thought they were going to go and teach from, and they went nowhere near there. Um, They talked about vocation. They talked about it being a calling. Noah all of a sudden drops all this knowledge on us about dictionaries. So how many of you went home and downloaded an extra dictionary? Anybody? Yes, I I did, did, Noah. I did. And last night I learned a new word. I'm not going to tell them what it is because it's embarrassing. But I saw it for the first time in a devotional I was reading with my wife. And apparently I've never seen it on paper. And so I couldn't pronounce it. And she said, I'll just tell you what it was. It was compromise. I've never seen that word on paper before. And I was like, compra. And she looked, she's like, it says compromise. I never realized the root word was promise. I think there's a sermon in there somewhere. I don't know yet, okay? Um, so yes, I downloaded a dictionary. Thank you, Noah. But really talking about a calling and how, about how God has a calling on each one of our lives. And I don't know about you, but I was ministered to just listening to them speak from God's word and asking myself this question, what is God's calling on my life? Now, I remember years ago, a guy in our life group, I'm with these guys over here. Tyler uh, Patterson's not in our life group anymore. Some of these guys remember him. When he came to our class, he had recently gotten out of the Marines and he had started a dog training company. This guy just loved the Lord and he really wrestled, Riley, I don't know if you remember, really for a couple of years, is this God's call for my life or am I supposed to be in ministry? If, God's, if God calls us, don't we just go into ministry? And what he found was he could be right there training black Labradors all over the country and you can see him on ESPN. We have seen him a couple of times. And he began starting these Bible studies at all these tournaments he was going to and he's known all over the country now, not as just a winner, he's known as the guy that does the Bible study. And it's been pretty incredible how many guys he's led to the Lord and how many guys show up to his Bible study. And I think here's a guy that, between you and I, he's just training dogs. But he's right in the center of where God's called him to be. And so, hey, I don't know where you are, but listen to them last week. God has called you. So I want to have another question right there at the table. And it was, it's similar to a question you, they asked last week. It's similar to a question that you discussed around the table. But you may have had a little bit more time to think about it. We've had seven days. And honestly, I work at a church and I've been thinking about this question. So here's the question we're going to discuss. You're going to have a few minutes around your table. What opportunities does your vocation offer you to do ministry? You say, well, I'm in banking. I'm in real estate. I'm a teacher. I'm a doctor. I'm an electrician. I'm a welder. But still, God places you around people. He puts you in different places. So what opportunities does your vocation offer you to do ministry? I want you to discuss it around the table for a few minutes, and then we'll come back together. Ready, set, go. We don't have to pass the mic around unless someone heard something really good. I know we passed the mic around during this similar table discussion last week. Anybody hear something different this week that think needs to be shared? Well, I I I listened, and uh, I gotta I gotta kind of share. This will be for my guys. I apologize for the guys in my life group. Uh, They're gonna hear a little bit of what they heard on Sunday. Um, Oftentimes, as men, we don't spend a lot of time being transparent. Uh, even with our wives, because we would be scared to death for them to know, for us to know, they know that we may be insecure in something, that we may have a struggle with something, that we may get emotional over some things. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was, I got COVID. I'll just be honest with you, I got COVID, and uh, it hit me pretty hard. I had the rare symptom of hives. I don't know if anybody else has heard of that, but I was pretty much covered head to toe. 
Bottoms of my feet, armpits, the whole works. It's wonderful. Yes, it itches like crazy. Um, so the doctors didn't think that was related to COVID, so they just started putting me on all this medicine. I was taking about three different pills, steroids, antibiotics, and, and another one. And uh, the number one side effect of all three of those is emotionalism. Well, it's like a cocktail of three things now, all saying, you need to cry. And uh, I spent really the last, up until this past uh, Wednesday, really Wednesday night, when I, when I texted them that morning, I said, I can't be there tonight. Um, I, I spent days crying over all kinds of stuff. As I was beginning to come out of that, getting off the medicine, and it began to get out of my system, I just began to reflect on a lot of things. My mentor passed away last year, Mike Golding, who most of you know in this room. And I spent four days in a row at his gravesite. I just went there. I just sat down and I cried. And I would, not that he was there, but I talked to him. I really talking to the Lord. I pulled up my Evernote and I searched for his name. And I found the last time that he taught in our life group, which was two years ago this coming Sunday. He taught out of Philippians chapter four. And um, it, was, it was incredible. I have all his notes. I have lots of quotes, and I actually taught that lesson, and it wasn't plagiarism because I told the class what I was doing, um, but I, I, I told them, this is what Mike taught us two years ago, and I and began to walk through it, and I just began to reveal some things in my heart that I think deep down inside I knew were there, I had just suppressed and not shared with anybody. Some insecurities I, I, I thought maybe had left as a child, and I began to share some of th- those things with my wife. Some things that, I, that, I, that I, I feared, some things that I struggled with. And as I, over the course of a few days, just began to share some of these things, some of the things that I was talking about even bled into work when I come to this building and I, I began to serve the Lord because I'm on staff at a church. And oftentimes, I can tell you, two of my bosses are in this room. My, right, right above me is Tim Shelton, and then right, I guess above him would be Jason Pyron, and they're both sitting in this room. And I'll be honest with you, as I listened to Noah specifically speak about this thing of vocation and this calling and this idea that we don't work for a man, we work for the Lord. I was reminded of how many times I come to work, and I honestly, because I'm a people pleaser, Think through my day about how I'm going to please Tim Shelton. Now, that's no offense to you, Tim. That's on me. That's nothing you've put on me. Or how I'm going to please Jason, or how I'm going to please Drew, or I just got a call from Brother Steve a little bit ago, and when I see Brother Steve's name come across, my palms sweat a little bit, okay? This is just going to be honest, okay? What's he going to say, you know? And so, uh, uh, but, but how am I going to please Brother Steve? How am I going to please our, our, our laity and, and, and our deacon body? How, how am I, that's not my job. I'm not working as unto a man, and I'm thankful for Noah and Jason last week pointing us to the fact that it is God's calling on our life to work. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, we see that God gave Adam a job before he gave him a woman. He gave him a work to do. And then as he's doing that work, basically, God looks down and says, (laughs) he needs a helper. This boy ain't going to make it. And then he creates woman, and she comes in and helps him with all these things that he knows he needs help in. And by the way, I've got a good one at my house. Every area that I am deficient in, the Lord has just made her incredible. And so, but, but he gives us this work to do. If you study the Jewish culture and how they have been since the very beginning, work is not work as you and I say. Well, how is work? Say, oh, man, it was long. Because they viewed work as worship. It was a worship experience. 
when they went to work, they weren't going to work to plow the ground. They were going to serve the Lord. Now, I want us just to stop and just think for just a moment what our places of business and the places we work at would look like if everybody showed up on those days, not focused on the boss, but just focused on serving the Lord. Now, the question is, could we have businesses made up of guys, the whole, all, every guy there like that? Probably not. So let me throw another challenge out. What if just the men in this room, I'm including myself, what if just us said we are resolving today that when I get up and go to work tomorrow, I'm going to serve the Lord? I heard this and I had it written down in one of my journals that uh, and it was either 2016 or 2017, CNN reported that in a recent survey done by, I believe, the New York Times, 73% of men in America get up every day and go to a job they don't like. 73%, Brian. That's a lot. Three out of four. That was not like just guys in the world, guys in the church. That was everybody. So three out of four guys. So let's just take that in this room and basically take all these guys right there. That group of people go to a job every day they don't like. But I think sometimes it's because we're so focused on serving man or is it meeting my needs or do I enjoy it or do I like it that we forget God has called us. And sometimes we have to remember that oftentimes God calls us to do something that we don't really want to do in order to prepare us what he's really made us to do. And I think for me, I started working at this church as an intern in this building. I think my first day on the job, I put all these bleachers down. 16 years ago. And for 15 years, I worked in the sports ministry here. And then about a year and a half ago, Tim said, why don't you come on over with us? I said, oh, wow. And so I came over here and it's just completely different. I don't hear the basketball bounce anymore. Uh, you know, I don't have to break up fights. I broke up a fight right over here, right there, and got punched in the head and got a concussion one night, okay? So, so, so I've dealt with all that stuff. And now I've gone over there. And, and, and what I realized is I loved sports, but God was preparing me for something different. And so I just want to read you a couple verses. You know these verses. They're in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. We all know these verses. It says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Now, I'll be honest most of us get up and go to a job, and some of the first things we're looking at is, what are we putting into the 401k? How is this preparing me for my future? And can I retire early? Can I get an amen? I mean, I'm just being honest. I can remember my dad years ago being an electrician. He, an electrician, he worked for Tyson's, and he taught all over the country um, in electrical schools and all of that back in, before he got electrocuted and went into the ministry. But I can remember him being on a, on a pace to retire at 44, and we had already bought the land at the lake, and we had already picked out the, the builder, and we had already picked out the house, and we were already beginning to pick out the brick and the tile and all of those things that would go into it. And I would ask him, Dad, what are you going to do at 44 and being retired? He said, whatever I want to. And we're going to travel, and we're going to eat good, and we're going to fish a whole lot. And he wanted to start doing that at 44. And God had a different plan. Because you see, back then, he was working for a man and himself. And God says, I have a different plan. He says right here, whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord. Also, uh, Proverbs 16, 3, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. 
Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. I basically want to just give you three questions just to ask. These are not, there's nothing magical about these. These are not like big old, yes, we need to tweet these out on Twitter. These are just three questions just to ask yourself as I read through these and I'm asking myself, okay? So I'm sharing with you basically what I wrote down in my journal this past week and then kind of massaged out today talking with Garrett Whitehorn back here based off what Noah and Jason shared with us last week. Here are the three questions. Number one, who am I working for at work? Who am I working for at work? Am I working for my boss? Am I working for my employer? Am I working for myself? Am I working for my wife? Am I working to set up my kids for a better future? Or am I working as unto the Lord? And I think, if you'll stick with me for just a moment, if you work as unto the Lord, God will take care of all that other stuff. And I think sometimes I was reminded as I sat in a dinner over here with Jim Shoemaker just a little bit ago talking about should you sell your house right now in the housing market because you can make a whole bunch of money and all this stuff. And he said, basically what I'm hearing is, should I sell this house, make all this money, and then try to go find something wherever God's calling my family to live? He said, why don't you take a step back and don't go sell your house? And why don't you ask the Lord where he wants you to go? Because even in the inflated market, if God has a house for you, he'll give it to you for what you can afford. And then he'll sell your house overnight. He said, you don't have to worry about that. Don't start selling your house right now. Let's wait on the Lord. And I thought, wow, what a refreshing look. And so my question, who am I working for at work? If I show up at Bellevue every day and I say, you know what? I'm not people-pleasing today. I'm Jesus-pleasing. I'm just going to give everything I have to Jesus. And I may get called in the office. I may get my hand slapped, and I may get talked. But you know what? I'm going to do everything I can as unto the Lord. Second question that I wrote down is, what does my attitude portray while I'm at work? What, what do I give off? When people look at me, what is my posture saying? You ever seen that employee walk into your place of business, and you know right off the bat they hate their life? They do not want to be here. Well, if you haven't seen that person, you may be that guy, okay? And so you better be careful, all right? But, but what am I portraying? What is my attitude saying? Because I just know this, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. I sat in a premarital counseling session today with a couple that's desiring to get married. She's saved, he's not. And as we began to look at what the Bible says about being equally yoked, you could see conviction to become, begin to uh, come over him. And as we're talking, you can tell there's a lot of stuff in his past he's got to work through. And you could see that he just began to change. I think when he walked out of the room, he didn't get saved. But I think when he walked out of the room, he was a different person than when he walked in because the conviction of the Holy Spirit was on him. And I just wonder if we were spending time with Jesus in the morning before we go to work and we, before we went into work, prepared ourselves mentally of what does my attitude look like today? What is my posture going to be? I'm not talking about putting on a facade either. I'm not talking about just trying to act happy when you're miserable. I'm saying, can you take where God has placed you right now and be thankful and work unto the Lord? I'm asking myself these questions. And the third question I would ask is this, what reward am I looking for in my work? Am I looking to, you know, maybe get a 3% bump in pay this year? 
Am I hoping to be able to put just a little bit more into my 401k plan? Am I hoping that maybe they'll pay a little bit more on my insurance plan this, this time because everybody knows I have four children, a wife, and one of us is having surgery every year? Are those the things that I'm working for? Or am I working as unto the Lord? What does he say right here in Colossians chapter 3? He says in verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Can you imagine just for a moment the inheritance of God? If Jesus Christ lives inside of you, the Bible says you are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that he has. So I I heard loud and clear where Brother Jim was coming from tonight. We're looking at Could I make $50,000? Could I make $100,000? Could I shift these things around? Could I get my kids in a better school? Could I get my wife in a better car? And God owns it all. And so what if we quit just looking at all the monetary? And I'm not saying just go be foolish and not worry or or, not plan for the future. But what I think so oftentimes we do and what I heard tonight is we plan and then we ask God to bless it. And what he's saying is wait on the Lord. And he said, make yourself blessable. That was the word tonight. I want to ask you a question. Are you working so hard and fighting so hard to climb the corporate ladder that you have lost sight over the fact that God may have you in this place right now for such a time as this for something you can't see and something you may never see? He said, are you blessable? So these are the three questions that I'm just kind of working through. Who am I working for at work? What does my attitude portray while I'm at work? And what reward am I looking for in my work? What reward am I looking for in my work? I I think I know the heart of most of us in this room. We want to honor the Lord. And so sometimes I think it's just a little bit of a re-education for ourselves because we live in a consumer-based, me, 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 everywhere we look, culture. And Jesus is saying, focus on me. So I want to throw it back to the tables and want you to talk about this question around your table. We kind of talked about what opportunities do you have in your vocation to be a witness, but now I want us to kind of ask the, 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 the opposite of that question. And here's what it is. What obstacles are there that keep you from ministering to people in your vocation? What obstacles are in place? For instance, political correctness. It's a thing. You know, we can say, oh, we don't have to worry about that. Well, I, I, can, I, I know a guy that's been fired for saying, God bless me, okay, or God bless you. Lady walks in, she sneezes, he says, God bless you, and next thing he knows, he's looking for a new job. You say, no, wait, I'm serious. What obstacles are there? And and can, can I just be honest? I used to work at a lawn care company spraying lawns. When Drew Tucker hired me, I came in covered in pre-emergent. You know the green stuff they spray on your lawn? That was me. Drew said, well, I'll say this for you, you stink, and you need to change clothes next time you come for an interview. But I came just from, just from work. And I worked at a place, and this is the honest truth. Some of you may know where I worked. I'm not going to tell you the name of it. But on a rain day, we couldn't go out and spray lawns. And there was one central office where we sat around this big table. This is the honest truth. They would roll in a TV, and one of them would plug up their phone, and they would watch pornography together in the room. And I'm not talking about what you would call soft pornography. I'm talking about hardcore pornography. And I had two choices. Well, I guess I had three. I could have sat in there with them. I could go outside and stand in the rain, or I could sit in my truck and pray. But I'll be honest with you, 
the obstacle that I struggled with as I worked there for that year is the obstacle of rejection. No one told me I couldn't share my faith. No one told me I couldn't talk to anybody. No one told me I couldn't take someone out to lunch and talk. But I had this fear of rejection. You say, well, shame on you. Absolutely. But we all struggle with those things. So what obstacle do you face at your job? Ready, set, go. All right. Can we take just a minute? Uh, Josiah, can we use the throw mic? We'll take just a minute and hear a few of your answers uh, to this. What obstacles are there that keep you from ministering to people in your vocation? Somebody raise your hand and he'll throw the mic to you. Yeah. Come on, right here. Pastor Jesus mentioned to people, to ministers, and here, work, That's right. But his laws do not, do not, do not, never quit. He says, I got a job. I'm looking for a job. Here's the person, Paul. Yeah. The truth is, Paul is, Christian, he's crossed. Christians, much more people work. Yeah. This will like much more job. My business, people died. They never quit job. Yeah. They look forever. Much more. Oh, this is a thing. And yeah. they ask me, I could you die. Yeah. The truth is, it's a process. Jesus is on. We both both about Christmas. Jesus is a Paul. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good word right there. All right, somebody else. Did nobody talk at your table? Yeah, right up front here. There you go. Die for that one. That's right, man. Good job being the Super Bowl. Well, uh, I was. I, I'm retired now, but I used to be a police officer. Yeah. So uh, it, it was like. Uh, you, you want some acceptance. You want to be received in that culture. And in and, and that culture, boy, you know, you're a rookie. They don't want you to say anything. You be quiet, don't get on the radio, don't do nothing. You can't do nothing until they tell you to do something. <laughs> you know, but uh, some rookies, you know, they, they were young and, and they had complied to certain things. I was older guy. I was 39 years old. So, uh, it's just they don't accept you because in that culture, if you got a police doing bad things, oh, they they don't trust you. Mm-hmm. You know, they know you're a Christian. They don't want to ride with you, mm. you know? Wow. So uh, I just say, hey, I don't care about that, you know, because, hey, I just got out of the military for 13 years. So uh, I remember a friend of mine, he came on two years after me, and they found out he was a Christian, and he was a young, straight-up Christian, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, they, they put, let's put forward and put him together, you know? We, we had a good time. We talking about the Lord, everything, you know, taking care of our business, respecting people, and not violating constitutional rights of people and all that stuff, you know? So it, it's hard to be accepted in that situation, in, in that type of culture, because it's something else. Yeah, that's right. We talked a little bit about that last week afterwards. So thank you. All right, thank you. Well, that's what I want to do. I want to invite up my friend BJ Berry Hill. Uh, BJ is going to come up here, and uh, BJ is—I know him as Sarah Berry Hill's wife.
so um, that's how a lot of people, husband, excuse me. Golly, Sarah Berryhill's husband. My bad. Whew, sorry. Not that kind of men's class. All right. Sarah Berryhill's husband. That's, a, that's how you're known by a lot of people probably. Sarah actually happen, happens to be my admin, so she's awesome and great. I love BJ, and he's got three awesome kids. Uh, but I've known of BJ and known about BJ for many, many years, uh, way before we actually ever met, I think, officially. Uh, I heard all about him. But I want you to share a little bit about, uh, first of all, what you do, uh, and then tell us a little bit about the environment uh, what you do and what kind of what the environment is that you do that in. So I work in I work in a machine shop, and I've been doing that for about 18 years. Um, a machine shop can be very uh, rough and uh, brutal at sometimes. It's a very it's like a locker room. Um, it can be a, a HR nightmare for a lot of corporate uh, types, <laughs> but um, it's different. Um, but those are my kind of guys, and I love them and. We have a good time. And yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how, what are some ways you're able to share your faith uh, in the workplace? So I learned that displaying your faith in the workplace is a lot like displaying your faith to your children. Um, and one of the big keys is your responses to things. Uh, one would be your response to difficult people, your response to difficult situations, um, your response to inappropriate behavior. And um, I find the hardest part is your response when you fall short. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really good. You know, I know some of the, the guys, we've talked to some about some of the guys you work with that you've ministered to there. And I just encourage you, you've been an encouragement to the guys you work with. Uh, in a lot of ways, the Lord's used your testimony and used uh, your work. So your your testimony is a little bit, I know we don't have time to walk through every aspect of it, but uh, once you became a follower of Jesus, uh, you've done a little bit of everything. You did seminary and were kind of walking that road. Is that what brought you guys to Memphis? Is that right? No, so I'm from Memphis. Okay, that's Sarah right. Sarah is from Kentucky, and she came to Memphis to go to college at, at University okay. of Memphis. All right. Um, but... When we got married in 09, we joined Bellevue, and uh, at, at some point, I started feeling the Lord leading me to attend seminary in some aspect. Didn't know why. I didn't have a calling to be a pastor uh, or a missionary, but I just felt the Lord leading me to, to go take some classes at Mid-America, so we did that. Um, we also started to feel the Lord telling us to sell our house. I'm like, why am I selling my house? I've got a career at a young age that I can be at for the rest of my life. I'm just taking these classes. So we sold our house. We moved into seminary housing. And while I was at seminary, I fell in love with evangelism. Uh, Dr. Gray Allison and um, Dr. Jeff Bronner really um, instilled in me and in, in a burden for the lost and sharing the gospel. Um, and then a short time later, me and my wife began praying about moving to Colorado to help start a church out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you you go out there to Colorado, but you go out there and you don't go to, out there to be on staff at the church. You go out there and, and what do you do when you get there? So we went out there with a group of people and everyone out there who went out there 
was talking about how they're going to set roots up in Colorado and how they were going to buy their homes. Uh, me and my wife never had that calling that we were going to be here forever. Um, we didn't know why we were going to be, how long we were going to be there or uh, why we didn't have the same feelings everybody else did. Um, but the Lord went to work and I started to really set up my own little ministry within my workplace in Colorado. Um, I worked in Boulder and Boulder is a very, um, it's not a God fearing town. We'll put it that way. (laughs) Um, it can be very challenging, but the one other believer in the business I worked for happened to be the boss. (laughs) And, um, I, I, he allowed me to use that as a platform to share the gospel and to, um, have those conversations with people who noticed something different about me. Um, and we were there for six months and um, moved back to Memphis after that. So Yeah, and you got right back into the same type of job or the same job you were in when you it left? It was the exact same job. Um, mm-hmm. So I was blessed to work for a company that, and still do, where the, the, the business owner was a, a Christian. And um, I, I remember sitting in a, in a review that I got each year, and he's like, man, I just everybody seems to be happier when you're around. And so I had a good review based off my evangelistic conversations I was having with people. And before I left, he said, BJ, I don't know if you're coming back or when you're coming back, but you always have a home. So we felt the Lord calling us to come back. We came back and I was able to go right back to the same job, ministering to the same people. And I would think even the testimony you had the first time you worked there and how you lived out your faith then was part of the reason that you got that job and had that waiting on you when you got back, which is an incredible testimony. So last question for you, maybe some of the guys out here are in jobs that it's hard to live out their faith or to stand strong in the midst of a lot of dark things going on uh, in their vocation. How would you encourage them to persevere in living out their faith in the workplace? First off, I would say encourage you that it's it's never too late to start displaying your faith at work. Um, your witness is never damaged so much that it can't be repaired. I promise you, it can't. I will go to work tomorrow, and when I punch that clock, I'm going to sit next to men who have seen me at the bar or in the break on break smoking dope behind the building. 15 years ago, um, those same men are asking me questions about who's speaking at the men's conference this, this weekend yeah. um, because they've come with me in the past. And that's um, from the lowest man on the totem pole all the way up to the CEO of the company. Was, yeah. um, so I would encourage you, it's never too late to start. Um, it can be challenging. You know, for me, I had damaged my reputation damaged my witness but so I had to overcome those things and it just starts by consistent living by responding to difficult people the right way responding to difficult situations the right way avoiding inappropriate behavior and when you fall short when you mess up not just saying I'm sorry but giving a genuine apology and saying you know what I messed up, and these are the reasons why it's not appropriate for a Christian to respond the way I did. Um, and when you do that, when you've messed up and you handle it that way, you flip the script. You have now taken something that you meant for wrong, 
and God's not going to take it and, and use it for good. That's right. That's solid right there, PJ. That's good. That's better than anything than Noah and I said last week. That's really good. Y'all give Jason a hand. Yeah, no, shut up. <laughs> no. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So we're going to do it a little differently here. And before we turn it to the tables, we want to allow you to ask a question to BJ based on what you've heard. Um, any questions that you have for him about how he lives out in his faith in the workplace or just in general when it comes to him or vocation? Anybody have a question they want to ask? Josiah is ready with the mic. All right. Oh, right, hold on. Josiah, let's go right here. Sorry, and then we'll come right over there. Yeah, he's going to give you the mic. We record all of this, so that's why we mic it. All right, so I moved to Memphis from Montana and uh, prior military, and I worked for BNSF Railway. Um, my whole thing is, is uh, I don't have very much interaction with people as far as in the workplace. Uh, there's a break room and uh, pretty much I go to work and then go home to my apartment. That's what I do. Go ahead. I would say, do you have any interaction with any of your coworkers at all? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Yeah. So I would say, you know, here at Bellevue, we talk about, we use the word intentional a lot. Um, that's going to be a situation in which you're going to have to intentional, intentionally get involved uh, in, in some manner with your coworkers. Um, a lot of times that might mean after work, on a lunch break. Um, Dr. Grau Allison at, at MidAmerica always taught us about being wise with our witnessing opportunities because you don't want to steal time from the business owner. <laughs> um, so being respectful of your company's time because um, you want to do what you're there to do. But you have to go out of your way, out of your comfort zone to initiate those conversations. It might be in the parking lot as you're walking to your car to go home in the afternoon. But you have to capture those moments when the Lord gives them to you. That's good. That's good. Thank you. All right, Josiah, back over here. You had one. This will be our last one. And then we're going to get Derek back up here. Let him close out our night. Yeah, I had a question because you mentioned the bar and the guys used to see you in the bar. So do you try to, it's maybe kind of a weird question, but would you still go to the bar and just not drink, but just be there where they are and witness that way? Is that something that you do or have done? <sighs> so that's a, that's a, a loaded question, right? Um, we talk about things as Christians as with Christian liberties. But I'm going to say this. I've worked hard on getting my witness back to where it is. I'm not interested in destroying it any further. Um, have I gone into places when we did Soulmate Live several years ago and hung, hung flyers up on their bulletin boards? Yeah, because I know a lot of those bars, bars had bulletin boards up there where bands would put their posters up there. So I went in there and I hung a Soulmate Live conversation, but I walked out after that. Um, it takes a long time to develop your witness, especially among people who see you every day. It takes a split second to ruin it real quick. Good question. Hey, let's thank BJ for uh, sharing with us. Appreciate you, man.
And I, I, uh, I just encourage you, Derek, coming on up. That's fine, Derek. You come on, bud. I would just encourage you. I know BJ and trust him to have more conversations with you if you want to ask him specifically just about how he's walked through this and how the Lord's used him in that. Uh, then I encourage you to find him. He's sitting right over here tonight, but he's in this room just about every Wednesday night. And to encourage, I know there's a lot of a lot of y'all out here like BJ that uh, the Lord's using uh, in your place of business. So we wanted you to hear that from uh, BJ tonight. Just see, hear you, let you hear from one of your own for sure. Thanks. All right, thank you guys. Hey, want to do one thing uh, as we get ready to close out? I want you to close it out there at your table. I know we we've got different discussion questions that we've done at the end. We've we've said just close out in prayer, but I want to do something really specific tonight. Whether you choose to just pray with one guy beside you or whether you choose to go around the table and pray or, you know what, you may be sitting in this room and say, oh my goodness, are you about to ask me to pray at my table? I'm not comfortable doing that. And we're not telling you you have to do something that you're uncomfortable with. But if you would just pray over each other, I want to give you three things to pray over each other right there as you get ready to go back to work tomorrow. Here are the three things. Now, I alliterated them so Brother Steve would be proud, okay? All right, so... Here are the three things. Pray for favor, fearlessness, and fruit. Favor. I pray that, that, that each one of us, as we go into the place that God has called us to go, that we would begin to have favor with the people that we're around. Secondly, that we would be fearless. That we wouldn't be worried about rejection. That we wouldn't be worried about what could happen bad. Because here's the bottom line. When you walk with the Lord, he takes care of all that stuff. And lastly, pray for fruit. Pray that as we go as men of God into the places God has called us to be, that other men would see the way we live our lives, and they would say, you know what? I don't know what's different about that guy, but whatever it is, I want that. So I just want to encourage you to pray at your tables. Here's the deal. If it takes you three minutes, that's fine. If it takes you 10 minutes, that's fine. We're not putting a time on this. I just want to turn it back over to the tables. I want to encourage you to pray. Maybe one guy just prays over the whole table. Maybe everyone prays. I don't care how you do it. I want you to pray over the guys at your table in these three areas. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.